How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Close your eyes, turn around, and count to nine. When you open them, I will be gone. You're good to go. <laughs> we Welcome back to another episode of the Spartan Dog for Life podcast. Sorry there. Coming in a little slow. I was, but giving, I was letting you take the lead. No, I didn't know you were talking to me. You know, I, 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 you, right, you always go. lead me. I was letting this you is take it. the I'm lead. I'm leading you in. I'm leading Please. you in. My apologies. But we saw the highlights from Michigan State's win in double overtime over Kentucky last night in the intro in. It's a good day to be a Spartan, my friend. Carter Elliott here. David Klein, the host. Um... How are you feeling about it? Where, take me away. Where, where are we going with I'm, this one? I'm feeling great because when I woke up this morning, my basketball team won a game last night. Not all fans can say that. And we, and you know what? We were underdogs in that game. Everybody doubted us. I'm not even going to lie to you. I had some doubts in my head about yesterday's basketball game. But the grit of that team, the true Spartan dog of what Michigan State basketball is last night, that was the epitome of that basketball game. And it was, it was fun to see. I think after the Gonzaga heartbreaking loss, you're wondering yourself, is that just uh, the situation of being on an aircraft carrier? Was it just circumstances? Um, I think you saw some grit and some toughness from this Michigan State team we haven't really seen in the last couple of years, top to bottom. Could they replicate that? I think that was my biggest question coming into the Kentucky game. And the answer was a resounding yes. It wasn't 100% pretty. 18 turnovers, this team is just going to continue to cough up the ball. I guess that's just an annual tradition. Uh, but finding a way down late in regulation, down late in overtime, uh, going down three to start double overtime with that Casey Wallace three in the corner, and Michigan State kept battling the entire time. And I just think this was a gritty, competitive team win. And this just feels like a different team. You know, we've had a couple years now where – it's been a struggle, and it hasn't been what, what we would term like a traditional Michigan State feel, and that's changed already. We're only three games in. There's a lot of season left. 
obviously the gauntless schedule ahead, but I'm really, really excited to see where this team is at because I think at this point they've really exceeded my expectations heading into the season. What is, what's your feel for maybe what the ceiling of this team is? Have we seen a comfortable floor? Where are you looking maybe at the general outlook for this team? Yeah, I think coming into these first three games, one of my main takeaways is that you can kind of see the DNA with this team. They're a team that, you know, they have a little chip on their shoulder. They play with a little swag to them. They play with a little, you know, bleep cuss word to them. They play with a, they got a little, they got a little something to them. You know what I'm saying? So I think that this team's ceiling is way higher than I had imagined coming into this year because I was looking at it mainly from just a talent standpoint. And, you know, you look down this roster, maybe they're not as talented as past Michigan State teams or Michigan State players that we have seen in the past. But the grit and, the you know, the will to win and that little underdog mentality that this team has, I mean, and with the way the Big Ten is shaking up, shaking out this year, I mean, I think we're one of those teams that could really, you know, challenge for the Big Ten title with the way we've been playing. And I think that other teams in the Big Ten should really take notice. I'm 100% with you on that. I think that if you're looking around what we've seen kind of across the country for the most part, some of the teams that were in the top five, top 10, haven't exactly you know been overwhelming in terms of their performances. I think Houston and Baylor are probably still at the top. Coming into this game, I had Kentucky as a top three team. I still think they're a top five team. I think they're gonna get the pieces going. Oscar's first game back. They've got some obviously talented players there. But Michigan State really, again, took it to them. Um, I pulled some stats, and we were talking about this before, but C.J. Frederick coming into the game averaged 17 points per game over the first two. Antonio Reeves, 20 points per game over the first two. Michigan State held them to three, uh, three for, I think, 14 from the field, 10 points collectively. I thought they did a really nice job just executing the defensive game plan. Speaking of the defense, not where I thought this team was going to be able to kind of lean on it. I thought this was going to be maybe a live and die by the three type team. And now we're heading into the season. You can see the Ken Palm stats up on it. Top 15 in defense. Like, I, I don't know quite what to make of it. This, this entire performance in general team has kind of taken me by storm. There's been some struggles. They haven't really shot the ball real well, either from two or three. And yet somehow they've continued to really kind of drag teams into mucky, ugly games. And now they show the ability to win, which they weren't able to do against Gonzaga. I, I, I was waiting. Are you, were you going to use the deep water term? <laughs> I thought about it, you, but that's the murky deep. I thought the deep water <laughs> term was about to come out. But, you know, it's a bad, it's, a bad, it's for the basketball team here. But, no, nah, DK, I mean, what you're saying with the defense of this team, I think that – uh, coming into the year, people were looking more so at we're playing the Oscar Sheeways, we're playing all these big men that are going to be in the Big Ten Conference. But the thing about that is, if you cause enough chaos on the wing and enough chaos on the at the guard play, sometimes you make it hard for those guys to even touch the ball because you're causing chaos on the wing. And we got guys like Tyson Walker, who's a you know defensive stuff, very quick hands. AJ Hogard, maybe not necessarily the most fleet of foot, but he's a burly guy who's going to put his body on you and be physical with you. Even a freshman like Trey Holloman being able to come in wingspan probably the craziest on the team i need the official measurements of it but gotta be pushing like six six eight something like that with his yeah. wingspan so those are a bunch of guys who can use their hands get in passing lanes cause chaos and make guys uncomfortable so you know it the it seems that they have bought in too to whatever Izzo and this staff was saying during the summer like because i know that those summer sessions and the summer talks with this team were all about look we're gonna have to get up get up in people and we're gonna have to check and that's what they've been doing up until this point. It's worked out for us. Yeah, and throw Jay Nakins in that mix, too, of guys that's going to be able him. to generate it. I, I think that the guard play 
we're not necessarily always going to be go going toe to toe on the rebounding. They did against Kentucky actually out rebounded them, which like was shocking to me. I think there is going to be games where they hemorrhage some offensive rebounds, and that's unfortunately just going to be part of the play because Maddie Sissoko outside of really Maddie Sissoko in the front court, there's not like a ton of like range rebounding on the roster. But I thought that like top to bottom, this team has found ways to kind of either create turnovers or limit second chance opportunities. And I think it's really been a team effort, which is the thing that I've been most excited about. Top to bottom, it seems to me like they've really found a way to kind of just dig in. And the defensive end, which has always been kind of a bread and butter thing, seems to be regaining part of that DNA of the program. And it really can't come at a better time because if, if the window for becoming more of a national contender is open, uh, what I would say a year early, because I really think if you look at the talent insertion that's coming in next year, um, whether it all comes together or not, you never know. But on paper, it's going to be a much more talented team than this. But if Izzo is getting these guys ready to go, you know, what you would say maybe even a year early, I think the window's beginning to open. Michigan State made a national splash now, and now it's go out and take care of business against a Villanova team that's been struggling, down a couple guys on Friday night, um, go into PK-85 and win two out of the three games, and the gauntless schedule, which when we were looking at at the beginning of the season, like where are the wins going to come? Now it's like there's multiple opportunities here to position yourself for uh, a high seed line, which Michigan State hasn't had in the last couple of years. And that really changes everything in March. Because if you can get to a second weekend because you've seeded yourself right, then you get there and anything can happen. And I think that, again, it's early. We're three games in. We don't know where this is exactly going to go. But you have to feel good about kind of some of the pieces that are put together. So let's start digging into the guys. Because I think we should start um, probably with the center spot. Biggest question coming into the season uh, I know you're going to eat some crow on this. I, I think that I was skeptical. I was at least reserved. I wanted to see it. Um, you kind of thought it was a dead situation where you just thought the center spot was going to really struggle. What can you say about Matty Sissoko and back-to-back -back performances against arguably the two best centers in the entire country? Puts on monster performances. Defensively, a little sketchy yesterday against Oscar. I thought he kind of got around and threw him a couple times. But offensively, particularly once Shibwe went out, I thought he just dominated the airspace above the rim. He's continued to do that. And if this is the version of Maddie that we're going to get, a guy that can play 25, 30 plus minutes a night, like this completely changes the floor and the safety of maybe where this team can be. So give me some thoughts on Maddie. Well, first of all, if you would have told me that Maddie Sissoko would have been able to play 25 to 30 minutes at the start of this season, I probably would have slapped you because I don't like when you lie to me, DK. But before I before I start with Maddie, I do got to do this. I, I, you know, I'm going to take my glasses off because I want to be sincere when I say this because I am going to eat some crow. Maddie, I'm sorry. All right. From the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry from Spartan Nation and the folks that doubted you because you've done nothing but squash all that all those words and making me eat my words and I will do that because I just didn't expect I, I did not expect for him to be at this point I mean we're coming off the past two seasons where a guy's playing three minutes a game and with the big rotation the way it was there was opportunities for him to earn more minutes and it seems that Izzo has trusted him in this situation he's been thrown into the fire with Drew Timmy and you know Oscar Sheepway back to back 
I mean, you, you really, this couldn't have gone any more perfect for him. And, you know, one of the great things to see about it, too, is that everyone on the team was so happy for him, too. Yeah. Everyone was so happy. I think the fans were happy to see it. I think the team was happy to see it in that post-game interview. You were able to see his teammates mobbing him. And it's just, it's, it's good, you know, good for him, good for the team as a whole. And, you know, with Madi playing at the level that he is, it's just going to raise raise the bar for this team. I mean, it's, it's something, it's exciting to see uh, with all the doubt in the summer that was coming into this year with the, you know, the word, I don't know. I'm not going to mention, do we, do we want to mention transfer portal? I know, we got to be careful with that. I, I, I don't want to mention that. <laughs> transfer portal seems to be a word that's a buzzword nowadays. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's great to see. And I think it's, you know, it's it's good to see a starting center. Uh, and th- this is, a, he's scratching the surface, by the way. This yeah. is, let's call it his second, second full career, you know, D1 basketball game in the Big yeah. Ten. Like, this is just a beginning for him. I really don't think this is necessarily his ceiling. I think that he can play at this level or better, yeah. you know, going throughout the season. I don't think it was unfair for the skepticism, just given the fact that he couldn't carve into any minutes. He played less minutes as a sophomore last year than as a freshman with one last body in the front court. It really never just figured itself out. And maybe what we've seen, and, and we talked about this a little bit in the offseason and some of the excitement that I had for having a tighter rotation. Do I want 10 scholarship guys? No, it's, it's a little tight. God forbid somebody in the starting rotation gets injured. Like the, the bench gets very, very thin and it's a scary situation. So let's not kid ourselves. It wouldn't be nice to have another body either in the front court or maybe on the wing. That being said, Izzo is just so known for tinkering with lineups nonstop in the early part of the season until he finds his rotation. There, There's no – you can't do it. There's only 10 guys. They played six guys, major, major, major minutes. Um, Pierre Brooks played 15. Everybody else in that starting rotation, Jaden Aikens, played 25-plus. It's a situation where I think guys are going to find more rhythm. There's no looking over your shoulder to worry about who's coming in to tap you out if you make a mistake. And I think that it's kind of brought this team closer. When you play with guys and you're not fearful of your PT getting cut into, I think it changes the dynamic and the mental mindset when you step onto the court. And I think that this team has shown it very early. They've been prepared. And we got to speak to the fact of Izzo's late game execution. I think Adam's got a clip for us to be able to roll just the last stuff. C.J. Frederick hits a three to go up four. They run a play for Joey Hauser. Comes off a little curl, pin down screen. Hits the two, cuts into it. I thought that Izzo had an answer every single time for when Michigan State got themselves into a situation. They ran that uh, out-of-bounds play to spring Tyson to then spring the Malik Hall dunk. Uh, The baseline out-of-bounds play that they ran where he slips the screen and gets the dunk. It just felt like that team after kind of having a, a weird first half and into the first, you know, second half, the, the first 10 minutes, um, kind of some sloppy play. Again, 18 turnovers that game. But they somehow found a way to tighten everything down when it really mattered. And the execution, credit the staff for being able to put them in spots, um, clearly practicing uh, just those exact situations. And then you got to really credit the players for being able to follow through and execute it. So I, I thought all around the ability to close that game out after they proved that they, they you know they just couldn't get over the hump that Gonzaga game it's, it's got to be just a mental and, and almost physical relief to just say okay like we were in a dogfight with Gonzaga and we couldn't get over the top we're in a dogfight with Kentucky we beat them we got over that and now they need to carry that through and bring it on to the rest of the schedule um we got to speak about Joey Hauser I mean 
Joseph Jamal. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Gonzaga game was rough to watch. And I know that being on an aircraft carrier doesn't, you know, put itself, lend itself to a situation where he's going to be able to really lean on his strengths, which is shooting. Uh, yeah, look at that. He's the leading scorer, the, the second leading rebounder with Malik Hall at 6.3. It's 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 kind of unbelievable to me. 18 and 10 the first game. Then he lays a dud. Then he comes back with this one. 23 points, four for seven from deep. And I think that the way that he was utilized was maybe the best use of him that I've seen the staff. Instead of like putting the ball on his hands on the block or putting it in the mid post where he's taking four or five dribbles, like off the the opportunities that he had to score. I bet he dribbled collectively five times to get his 23 points. That's what he needs to do. He needs to be coming off screens, down screens. He needs to be putting in catch-and-shoot situations. If a guy's flying ahead of him, he needs to pump fake and take one dribble. Like I thought you really saw like a grown-up version of him. We need to get that consistently. Where are you at with just the way that he started the season? Obviously, he's an integral part. It was a huge piece coming back, especially after Marble left. Um, up and down, and that's kind of been his entire career, but couldn't have stepped up in a bigger moment for Michigan State. Yeah, I agree. I think, honestly, I, and I don't want to blame it on the aircraft, but I, it, it does make a difference as far as shooting-wise. I mean, even some Gonzaga guys who are knockdown shooters like Rasir Bolton found themselves struggling in that game. And for me, I knew that mentally Joey was in the game when I believe that first play of the game, uh, his first three-point attempt, actually, it wedged in the basket. And collectively, there was groans across Spartan Nation. Twitter was in a uproar. <laughs> there was all types of words and phrases thrown out about, you know, Joey Hauser. But the fact of the matter is, right after that, when he had his next open shot, he took that attempt. He didn't necessarily hit it, but he took that attempt. And he just worked himself into the game. He took shots when he was open. He used his one dribble pull-up. And I think you made a great point about this, DK. Uh, basketball is all about you know exposing matchups and i think that typically joey finds himself with smaller guys on him so that's maybe when he tries to post up a little bit but in this game he saw that he was guarded by guys like jacob toppin who aren't necessarily used to chasing guys off the screens and i thought it was a great job by the staff as well they were seeing that he wasn't able to chase him off screens or wasn't necessarily in the right position to help so joey found himself with open jumpers open shots coming off a little pin downs like that and when he got going we were we were looking for him too and he was shooting with confidence there was points where we were having offensive lulls in that game and Joey hit some huge shots you know the clip you just showed was a great example of that and I for all that the duds that Joey has I think people need to kind of just temper expectations a little bit with them like we didn't recruit some just star player like he's he is a I think he's a very good role player and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that so there are going to be some games where he might struggle but he's also going to have games like this. He's going to have games like Davidson. And we're just got to hope that he has these moments <laughs> in the big stage, on the big That's why he's yeah. Big Game Hauser. That's why I named him. I don't know his middle name, but his name is Joseph Jamal Hauser because he's a big game player, and he comes to play when he's on the big stage. And he definitely did. Uh, the front court between Maddie, Malik Hall, and Joey Hauser had 59 points last night. I mean, absolutely insane. You said our, you said our front court? Yeah, the front court. How many points? 59 points. 23 for Hauser, Jeez. 20 for Malik Hall, and Sissoko had 16. I love it. I mean, that's insane. It we is. Talk, all offseason, we talked about the strength of this team is going to be in the backcourt. The backcourt played pretty mediocre for most of the game until Walker kind of finished that down the stretch. I thought Malik Hall, again, he's, he's struggled with some turnover issues. I think some of that has to do with 
He's probably more of a power forward than he is a small forward. He's been put into some situations where maybe he's either over dribbling or he's dribbling in some double teams. He's getting caught with the ball. Sometimes he's getting doubled. I think it's a work in progress in terms of him needing to take care of the ball. He was clutch down the stretch. A couple big dunks. We saw the slip screen. We saw, you know, as regulation time is winding down, he fakes out Frederick, goes in and dunks it. Like, I, I thought just his, again, the mindset that he attacked at the end of the game and when it really mattered, when it was crunch time, he kind of showed up. And we haven't always gotten that from him. So to me, I think it's a very good sign that he's playing up to the level that he was, particularly in this big of a game setting. And again, I think that this just does so much for the mental mindset of some of these guys who've had up and down parts of their career to be able to really see that win come over the top and to be a big part of it. Um, let's touch a little bit on the backcourt. AJ Hogard struggled. I thought in the Gonzaga game, he was very, very good. I thought the pick and roll with Matty Sissoko is clearly the bread and butter heading into this season. Um, he creates so much gravity in the paint. He's sucking guys down, and Hogard has been able to kind of keep guys on his hip. If Matty's open, he's tossing it up. If they're not, he's got shooters around the wings, and he's spraying it a little bit. I think that he has tendencies when he can't put the ball in the hole, like he did last night, where he gets frustrated. He makes you know poor decisions. I think sometimes he gets a little lackadaisical with the ball. Again, he coughed it up too much times. I think that's just part of who AJ is to a certain degree. You gotta just kind of let him go. You gotta rein him in every once in a while, but you also kind of let him go. He's gonna get you nine assists, but maybe there's gonna be a game where he tosses it over three times, and maybe it's gonna be four or five, and that's the AJ Hogard experience, and you kind of gotta live with it. Because when he's at his best and when he's really good, the ball's going everywhere where it needs to. He's finding his shooters, he's finding his big man rolling, and Michigan State's offense, after kind of you know, not having a clear identity. They played through the wings last year, which was just, it was not good. I mean, we, we know both of them struggled in spots. This is really his team, and this is really his offense this year. The scoring needs to be secondary for him, and the setting up of his teammates and running the offense needs to be primary. I, I think that he's a guy that gets going when he puts the ball in the hoop, he needs to also kind of lean and be a guy that when he's setting up other teammates, that's what gets him going too. And it's not that it doesn't, but I think it needs to be the greater of the two. What are you feeling just generally with him? I know he didn't have a great performance. I thought I thought the Gonzaga game was one of the best performances he's had in terms of controlling it, getting to the paint, scoring post up. Where are you at with him right now in the season, and, and what did you like and what you didn't the last yeah, couple I, games? I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the DK. I think that AJ, because he's such a confident player, and because I think he plays at his best when he's feeding off of what's going on around him. So the crowd is involved. He's loving it. The teammates are involved. You know, he's talking a little bit of trash to the other team. He gets himself going in that sense. And last night, because he wasn't able to really get himself going, and he was going to the basket, and he was getting some shots kind of sent back by the you know the length of Kentucky, and had some careless turnovers overs in there. Kaysen Wallace was kind of able to get up in him. By the way, Kaysen Wallace ridiculous defender. Ridiculous defender, by the way. We'll see him playing in the NBA very soon. But, yeah, I think that kind of frustrated AJ a little bit. And I think you know, he's going to work himself through that. It's going to be his, you know, he's going to find himself with games like this. But the thing is he doesn't need to score to affect the ball game. Honestly, if I had to make a statement right now, 
I think that the best version of Michigan State isn't with A.J. Hogarth as our leading scorer, and that's completely fine. And I think A.J. has to come to grips with that, that that's okay, that he's not the leading scorer. Yeah. Like, I'm loving the assist numbers. Like, the assist numbers, are, I mean, we brought it up there. Seven, almost eight assists per game. <laughs> that's a great number. Now, we got to cut down on the turnovers, but so many of his turnovers are careless. They're yeah. fixable things. So, that's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. And two or three offensive fouls every game. Yeah. At least those are dead ball turnovers. Yeah, those, those, he's trying to get yeah, downhill. simple things yeah. that can be fixed, and at the end of the day with AJ doing that we beat Kentucky with all these things we talk about with all these issues the turnovers and things like that we're two and one there's teams out there that aren't two and one there's teams that haven't beat Kentucky we are one of those teams so being able to kind of have these learning experiences while also winning and also being in situations like this we've had two close games already against really good teams and one game we got over the hump and one game we not and we, we did it and it's not even December yet yeah. so come March I'm I'm loving right now three games in I'm loving the trajectory of where we're going to be at I'm with you on that I think uh, an important stat for him is I thought this year he really needed to focus on getting to the free throw line and shooting better but, he, but he's really but honestly he's kind of making his free throw that's what he I'm just, saying he just so can't he's it just career, at the rim he can't really career finish. 62% free throw shooter coming into this year He's attempting right now, and some of it was the Gonzaga game where he attempted 10 free throws. He's attempting five free throws per game. He's shooting 86.7% from 60. Like That's a huge jump. If he finishes the year somewhere in the mid to high 70s, that's a massive jump and something that he can lean on to kind of manufacture some of his points. So when he doesn't have a matchup that maybe is as good for him or there's some length at the rim and he's struggling to score – Go get fouled. Go go find ways to get yourself some easy points. And I think that as he, again, this is the first year he's really gotten the reins full on, right? Mm-hmm. Like the first two years, he's been sharing the reins. And now this is his team. He's finding what he needs to do, what buttons he needs to be able to press to get his teammates involved. I think it's going to be a work in progress, but we've seen some of the highs. We're going to see some of the lows. But again, like you said, the assist numbers, the points, 8.3 and 7.7 with three rebounds, that's really good if yeah. everybody else around you is eating off, off the plate that you're providing. So mm-hmm. I really, really like where this is headed for him. I think he's going to be fine. It was a down game, but I think overall he's going to have more advantages against guards than he's going to have disadvantages, particularly with the size. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's touch on Tyson Walker. Um I thought kind of a mediocre game again. He took a lot of shots to get his, but down the stretch again, Michigan State putting the ball in his hands. Is Tyson Walker the, for lack of better words, closer for this roster right now? Is that a good thing? How have you felt he's looked comfort-wise just in that role? And what have you seen from him this year versus what we saw last year? Oh, well, I've seen a player that's completely 100% off. He's more comfortable. That's that's a given. He's way more comfortable in the system. Izzo pointed over the summer to the fact that Tyson would have been a better player last year if he would have had that year kind of to learn the system. And we see that being true across college basketball with transfer point guards kind of struggling in their first year. So you see a guy that's you know settling in this year. He's a lot more comfortable. And look, for all of the the you know the greatness of AJ and like what he can do passing the ball 
when it's the when the game's on the line, you got to be able to come off that pick and roll or come off a screen or come downhill, and you got to be able to shoot a jump shot. Like you, the deep, you can't have people sagging on you when it's the end of the game. So you know, having Tyson having the ability to get to that mid range or get to the basket or make the pass, I think he kind of has the most complete game right now of who would kind of have the ball down the stretch. Uh, Malik Hall, like you said, at the three position, not necessarily sure if he's ready to kind of take that. Give me the ball at the end of the game. I'm going to go make a play for us, score the bucket. Yeah. It might get to that point. Maybe in the mid-range, mid-range. like the mid-low yeah, block, yeah. whatever. It yeah. might get to that point uh, going throughout the year. I mean, even a guy like Jay Nakins, who knows, when he gets in his full rhythm coming off that foot injury, he might be a guy who has the ball down the stretch, and he might be a guy who wants to close the game. Um, I'm an advocate that you do need a guy as a closer. I'm not, you know, as much as you want to have guys in balanced scoring, when you look at teams that win championships and win Big Ten championships and you know go far in the tournament, they have a guy that no matter what's going on in the game, okay, there's a minute left and we need a bucket, hand it to that guy. And I think we need to find our way into that. So having these closed games, I think, kind of helps us figure out who that guy is going to be. Uh, so, you know, I think it'll kind of work its way out throughout the year. I, I don't know if I'm ready to kind of put Tyson as that guy yeah. right now. I guess if you look on the rest of the roster, if you need a guy capable of scoring off – uh, all three levels and off the bounce. There's not really anybody else that fits that category, except for, as you mentioned, Jaden Akins, who's kind of working himself back into what I would say basketball shape. So if you're looking up and down, you're like, okay, who can we go give the ball to to be able to create? And if need be, if somebody goes under a screen, he can pull up. If they give him space in the mid range, he can pull up. Like the, the roster doesn't have a lot of that. So I think it was good to see Walker confidently taking clutch shots crunch time shots we saw him last year in the Purdue game he hit the big shot we saw him at home against Illinois when they were buried and he brought him back with like 18 points in six minutes like this is a guy that can score buckets and bunches he scored five of his 14 points on the under two minutes um, in regulation through the two overtimes with three assists he had a steal I thought he was extremely active it's clear that the staff put the ball in his hands and they trust him the most in these circumstances right now Again, I think Jaden Akins is eventually, hopefully, going to get to that spot where if you have a one-two punch where it's like, okay, your turn to eat, my turn to eat, you need to have isolation scores in basketball. During the course of the game, you want to be able to share the load for sure. That's that's how you win team games. But when you're a close one, you got to give it to somebody to be able to score. And I, I'm not, like you said, ready to completely anoint him as the, the clear-cut guy there. But I'm not sure anybody else is quite ready to take that on. And it was nice to see him take and make some big shots down the stretch to keep Michigan State in it. And again, just keep a level head. A couple lobs to, to Mahdi and just taking control kind of of the game when Michigan State needed it. I think it's a perfect segue to dip into Jaden Akins. I thought the flash that we saw in that reverse layup in the first half was maybe the first sign of him starting to get a little bit more comfortable. He was out almost two months. You know, he's only played, he's played slash practice for what? Maybe it's like eight or 10 days now. I think it's gonna probably take to the end of November for him to look and feel 100%. But there's something about the way that he looks when he's crashing the glass, something about his ability when he's just stopping and going and guys are five feet off him. There's nobody on the roster that's capable of creating better separation than he is. I think his shot selection needs to continue to hone, but I like that he's firing it, to be honest with you. He's taking eight shots, over eight shots a game. He needs the green light, because the first you know, first year he didn't really have much of it. And I think that he's gonna eventually find 
when to pull up, when to try to get to the rim. Um, you know, that breakaway cram that he didn't have and he just kind of laid under. I know he wants that one back so Ooh, bad. My soul almost left my body, DK. Uh, <laughs> it almost did. I almost woke up my whole neighborhood. I'll tell you right now, I was, I was, about, to, I was about to lose it. Yeah, and I think it was a situation where, you know, a couple times he got beat off the dribble by Seville Wheeler. Not maybe the quickest guy, a little bigger guy. I just thought that he's still learning, I think, mentally and physically to trust the foot. I mean, it's a, it's a ton of weight and cutting and every shot that you put on. There's just so much movement that goes on that part of the body. So I think as, as much mentally as it is physically for him to get past that hurdle, I think he's going to get there. We saw some signs last night. And... Like we talked about, Michigan State's just not that deep this year, right? Mm -hmm. They need him to be a better version of himself. I think that it's going to come, and I wouldn't be surprised if this Villanova game at home, feeling a little bit of the home crowd, we see a little bit more of him popping and a little bit more of what he can give them. Um, what are your thoughts on Jaden? Just where, where you think maybe he can he can be eventually in the season and where do you really see maybe his role as this team continues to grow together? Yeah, I think that Jaden needs to realize what this team kind of needs from him. I think in, over the past two years, both in college basketball and in high school basketball, when he played for a really good Sunrise Christian team, he was always a guy who was like, do anything to help the team win, be a role guy. He always had that ability for anybody who was able to see Jay Nakins play when he was at Farmington High School playing in the OAA. He was a star player who had the ball in his hands. He can go get you a bucket. So he's always had that ability. And I think he's going to kind of go into that role. And by him taking the shots, I love to see that, him being aggressive, because he's going to be able to take those shots and take, those, take more shots moving forward. When I was able to see him over the summer, and I'm going to break one of my number one rules here by referencing Moneyball Program, which is a great <laughs> event, but I I don't like to take you know main real big basketball takeaways from that but the pop that he had the athleticism the handles so everything was so tight about his game and right now it's just a little bit it, it looks like a guy who had a, you know, a foot injury and you know had a, a month two month break from practice basically so that's all going to come back with time practice getting back in that rhythm but he has the ability and we've seen the moments and honestly the main thing that i just want to stop is the long twos you know the the Josh Langford's the long twos that he takes either get to the rim do mid-range or three but not toe on the line heel on the line threes that's all yeah. that's, that's 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 the only thing but besides that I'm not worried about Jay Nakins I think he's going to get better going throughout the year and you know once he gets fully healthy and trust that foot I think we're going to see like the full version of you know what Jay Nakins can really do what what do you see as maybe that top version of him like couple down like what does it look like either in production or what does it look like in role for this team like what do you what do you think maybe the ceiling this year is and it's hard to say I know because it just mm. hasn't been enough time yeah. yet but what what do you think it could possibly be well I mean coming into the year I was one of the guys who thought he could really contend to lead this team in scoring if he got the shots and had the opportunity obviously the foot injury was a little bit of a setback throwing things off as far as playing with teammates establishing roles in the summer and in practice but I think that the best version of Michigan State is having Jay Nakins up there with the leading scorers on the basketball team like I think he needs to be a top three guy at minimum but I think that it's not I don't think it's asking too much of him to be a guy who is contending to lead this team in scoring because he has the ability, he has the game, he has he's probably our best NBA prospect 
Um, and I think he's only going to get better. So, you know, it's, it's a lot for him. I know a lot of guys have kind of been talking about him being a breakout player this year, which puts a lot of pressure on him. But I think that he, it, they, they say that because he has the ability to do so. Yeah, and I don't think he's going to shy away from the pressure either. I, I think that he's, again, mentally and physically getting up to speed. And once he does, I think sky's the limit. I'm with you on that. I, th- I think there's going to be some games where he puts on some performances and we're like, okay, I need, we've a, been dunk. Waiting. I need a dunk. A, yeah. dunk at, a dunk at the Brez Friday would be mm, chef's yeah, that'd kiss. Yeah, nice. that'd be nice. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the underclassmen. Pierre Brooks has had some nice performances. I thought every time he's touched the floor, he's been able to put the ball in the hole. Like, that's what he does. Speaking about Moneyball, a guy that led Moneyball in scoring this year, he's a guy that just he, he thrives on putting the ball through the hoop. That's a nice guy to have coming off the bench. I think the defense is still a little bit of a work in progress. Got to be a little bit better rebounder. Point seven right now on that. Like, too big of a guy, too physical not to be able to mix it up a little bit more on the glass for me. He's shooting 40% from deep, and he's taking four attempts a game. Like to see that number. I think I think he needs to find, I actually like the mid-range little floater he has too, yeah. like two dribble. Mm-hmm. Like you come off that curl screen, he has a dribble or two just like a little bit past the elbow and pulls up. I think that's been a nice go-to for him. He's, he's unfortunately behind Malik Hall and Joey Hauser, who both have kind of really solidified minutes, obviously two seniors in that. Do you think he's a guy that just kind of plays 15 minutes per game? It's, it's almost like this is his freshman year because he really didn't get run as a true freshman. So do you think that this is a building year and do you see maybe the real leap coming heading into the next season? Where do you see maybe his role for Michigan State this season and what do you expect from him? Yeah, I think as a role for him, just having the ability to have a player that you can bring off the bench that is able to knock down at a 40% clip, that's something we didn't really have in the past couple of years. So him having the ability to do that and also him showing a counter move as well, like you pointed out, having that mid-range game, I'm, a, I'm ecstatic that he's just ahead of where I thought he was going to be coming into this year. I thought he's a guy that would maybe get around you know five to ten minutes a game, come in, shoot a couple threes, but I think he's had the ability to come in. He's shown he's been confident. He looks in better shape. Uh, you know, and not like that fake better shape. Like every coach <laughs> says, like they lost 15 pounds over the summer. Like it is visibly, you can notice that he looks slimmer. And I think it's just great to have a guy that you can bring off the bench and he's able to get this real experience and real game experience. I mean, you don't want to look forward to next year because obviously from these first three games, we got a long season in front of us, baby. Maybe it, got, maybe there ain't no more sin the season. We're, we're here officially if, if people were wondering. So, it's good to see him get that run. I think he has a role on this team as a guy who can come off the bench and get open shots. And, you know, the thing for Pierre is he is, I guess I'll use it, he's blessed to be able to play with point guards like A.J. Hogard and Tyson Walker and guys that are be able to find him. So basically all he has to worry about is getting to an open spot where that point guard Put can see you and shoot it. Yeah. And, and let, he doesn't and, have any problem doing that. And let that, that <laughs> and let that thing fly. I mean, obviously, a guy like Pierre Brooks, you, you know, he's he's got no issues letting the ball fly. But hey, that's what he needs to do for this team. So I love it. Don't 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 be shy about it. Yeah, let it they fly. need it, right? Yeah, they let need it fly. some scoring punch off the bench. Yeah. Um, the three freshmen, Trey Holloman, I thought is coming. He didn't play much last night. I think he had a minute, a minute and a half spurt. I thought he's played good defense. I think he's filled his role, which right now is take care of the ball. Occasionally he'll come in in a three-guard lineup and they put him on point and they move the other two off ball, which I like. I think they can get creative with the way that he does it. It's clear that they trust him. As you said earlier, like plus six, seven wingspan, like uh, just a monster wingspan the kid Mm -hmm. has. 
I think he's going to be a very good lockdown defender. I think you can see some flashes. We saw in the NASU game that kind of like stretch out reach after he drove. I'd like to see him maybe attack the rim a little bit more because he has that in the bag. Um, not comfortable with the jump shot right now. I think that's going to be a work in progress for him. I thought he's made some strides in the latter part of his high school year on that, but you can tell he just doesn't really want to let it fly at this point. He knows I'm coming in to defend. I'm coming in to take care of the ball, and that's my role. And I, I think that's important, especially as a freshman, to have. He's not going to probably get a ton of minutes just because of the depth in the backcourt this year, but he's a guy that I think I kind of like going forward. I think it's a nice piece to have a long guy that can play on or off the ball um, that should be able to get downhill and score a little bit and that can defend really well. Carson Cooper, again, some spot minutes. has kind of been rough for him in the doghouse, the Gonzaga game. Yes. Couldn't get on the floor. I thought they desperately needed like a longer, more athletic body. And even if it was for a couple minutes, maybe Michigan State would have stole that game if they would have had a backup center. For So for everybody who's jumped on the throat saying, like, oh, we didn't need to go to the transfer portal over center, well, it would have been nice to maybe like let the freshman kind of come along a little slower. Uh, Jackson Kohler has struggled a bit. I, I thought he was going to be a little further along offensively. Again, you play Gonzaga on an aircraft carrier. You play Kentucky in the Champions Classic on a big stage. Uh, it's not fair to judge him. I'd like to see maybe by the end of the month how far he's come. I thought he played a couple of decent minutes against Oscar. He's given up his body a little bit. I'd like to see a little bit more comfort on the offensive end. When he's gotten thrown the double team, he's been a little bit turnover prone. But he's a guy I, I think, again, can give you some contribution. I don't know how significant it's going to be in year one, and maybe that's the biggest question mark when we're looking up and down the roster now. What are you going to be able to get out of the backup center spot? And if you can't really get the production that you need between the two freshmen, where are you going to go with it? What's your thoughts on on the two of them? And maybe Holloman touch on that as well. Yeah, so with, with Kohler, I just think it's, you know, coming into college basketball for the first time and you're lining up against Oscar Shibwe <laughs> and you're lining up against Drew Timmy. Like, what do you, what do you, I mean, what Two you, national player yeah, of the year like candidates that's, again, that's one just, last that's year. Not, that's not fair. That's, that's you know, that's, that's kind of mean. But that is college basketball. That's what happens. But, you know, you don't see double teams coming at you a lot in high school basketball if you do see double teams coming at you you know it's not guys from the local you know high schools in utah that he played at like it's it's a it's it's a different level of basketball this level and that's fine because you know i think they're sending doubles at him because they know you know they do scouting in college yeah. and they see that the double teams rattle him but you know he's a smart guy he's a smart basketball player i think it's something that he could watch and film and practice go with coaches and get out of double teams he has the footwork to do it he has the ability to step through and make passes out. i think yeah. he has the ability to kind of think through that so i'm not necessarily worried about him uh the one thing i will say though is that uh it seems that maybe jackson's best position might be as a four yeah I maybe and I don't yeah. think we have necessarily the the personnel to do that this year and I think at times yesterday I actually would have liked to see us go small ball if we're not going to throw the ball in the Jackson and give him a chance to make a play offensively because right. that's where he excels his offensive bag is extensive that's where he can separate himself at this level defensively still a work in progress so if you're not going to really throw it into him on the offensive end you know, it's not really a positive to the team on the floor. But with that said, he has to show that he can handle the double team yeah. and make plays out of that, which I think he can. I mean, we saw flashes of that uh, and, you know, against Northern Arizona, obviously lesser competition. But, uh, you know, I think that Jackson's going to work his way into college basketball. We just kind of had to temper, temper the expectations a little bit. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah, and I think maybe they're a little higher coming into the season. I think 
the speed of the game to mm-hmm. me. It just looks like he, he hasn't quite found that yet. And again, we're three games into the season. It's a long, long career in season ahead of him. He's going to get it. I, there's some, been some spots where he's gone quick and kind of scored craftily under the basket. And you're like, okay, do yeah. maybe a little bit more of that. If you're not comfortable with the double, then make the move quicker. Use right? that, Face well, up a guy he, and he make lo- the move He loves quicker. that baseline spin move. I'll yeah. tell you right now, people don't, yeah. a lot of these people are double teaming from the elbow down. Yes. So you spin quick, spin you spin quick baseline, yeah. finish on the other side of the basket. If you can't, I mean, it might be asking a lot for him to spin baseline not score it and kick it out to a three-point shooter. That'd be special. That'd make my heart palpitate a little bit. That'd be special. But, you know, just making that quick spin baseline, he has the footwork and the ability to do that. So, you know, he'll, he'll figure it out. That's a, that's a mental thing and kind of a watching film thing and yeah. noticing how people play you. And I think he'll be able to adjust to that. Yeah, and I think to a certain degree, again, it comes down to him just getting more playing time. Yeah. The, the, the thing that cures your – uh, uncomfortability on the floor as a freshman is playing more and working through those situations in live game. So uh, he's going to take strides this season. I don't know how far it's going to come. Uh, I do think to a certain degree Michigan State got bit in the butt a little bit not having a true backup center against Gonzaga. I think if they could have stolen five or six minutes that game, they might have been able to find a way to do it. Um, but we're here and we have the roster set as it is. There's no turning back at this point. And I think at least top to bottom, we've kind of gone through it you have to feel pretty good about where it's at. Like the top six is good. Pierre Brooks is seven. You have the backup center. So really you're yeah. rolling seven, eight guys. I like I like Holloman too. I know I didn't get to touch yeah. on it, but I like I like Holloman. I like what he's been able to do. I think yeah. with Jay Nakins though, his minutes are going to yeah. kind of be cut, unfortunately. But, you know, the bright side of Jay Nakins kind of being on a minutes restriction, a pitch count, is that we were able to see Trey Holloman play a little bit. And I like, you know, I like where he's at moving forward. And then with Carson Cooper – uh, just don't be in Izzo's doghouse. That's the last place I'd want to be. I would paint Buckingham Palace with a toothbrush before I found myself in Tom Izzo's doghouse. That is a nasty place to be. Yeah. Make sure you make meetings. And I, w- be I wonder what he did to find himself in there. I'm sure it was just something stupid. It, it, just, it, it had to be something like like two minutes late to a meeting. Didn't yeah. bring your binder to the meeting. <laughs> like didn't didn't forgot your huddle pat. Forgot your synergy password. <laughs> it was something stupid. But I know that Izzo let him oh, have it. He's like, you came all this way to play on an aircraft carrier. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> forgot your pencil. No way. No You're not way. getting in this one. I told I told you black ink only. Brought a red pen like something dumb like that but he'll, he'll be all right freshman mistake looking at the schedule ahead villanova on friday then you go out thanksgiving you got the pk 85 for those of who forgot pk 80 michigan state came up into that bia and brought home the trophy didn't think maybe it could be that way this year, but now my opinion's changing a little bit. Why not? Hey, why, why, not, not why not? Why not? Why not? Every five years, <laughs> Phil Knight just hoisting the trophy up with us. I like the sound of that. I mean, last year when we went into or five years ago, I should say, we beat the snot out of UNC. What did mm. they shoot from the field? Like eighteen percent. That maybe was a that. fun team. Different, different story, different day, but. I think that we'll be prepared to play that for sure. We've already obviously played in that tournament. Let's let's turn the focus briefly to Villanova coming in Friday. Banged up, missing two guys. Justin Moore has a season-ending injury at the end of last year. Hasn't recovered from that yet. Um, Cam Whitmore, who's going to be a lottery pick by all intents and purposes over the offseason, sounds like he's going to be a stud. Yeah. I think fractured his shooting finger. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that there's a timetable this soon for him to return. Correct me if, if you've seen anything different. Nope. This is a situation where... I watched a little bit of the Matthew Loves Ball in Villanova. I didn't catch the full game. 
They lose to Temple on the road. I watched a little bit of that game. They got beat up inside. They had Temple's got a decent size big. They couldn't contain them. They kind of got beat up a little bit on the glass. I think Michigan State can do that a little bit to them. Delaware State game, they started the game down 2-12. to 12. I think that this roster construction right now, particularly in the backcourt for Villanova, is a little bit sketchy. I think that they have a lot of complementary pieces. It doesn't seem to me that right now until Whitmore hey, probably you, gets you, back. You can say they stink. Okay? <laughs> you, can, you, you can use the S word. Do they stink? Yeah, I don't want to say they stink because if we go out and lose to them, then it's going to be really sad for me. So I'm not ready to take it that far yet. But I, I think that this is a game that if Michigan State doesn't win, it's because there's a hangover going on from this Tuesday big win. You're, you're returning back home. You really didn't play that well at home in the exhibition game. You didn't really play that well against NASU for the most part. You just played really well in two neutral locations. You need to carry some of that momentum back home. I think that Michigan State has the ability to beat Villanova by double digits and physically dominate them a little bit, and I, I want to see it. I don't want this to be another close game. I don't think that Villanova right here and now is on the same level as Michigan State from what I've seen. So go out and take care of business. Punch a team in the mouth. Secure yourself as really a top 15, 20 team. I think we're, we're pretty close to maybe feeling the comfort mm -hmm. level there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ball that's going to get played this next week and into Feast Week where we're going to see some of these teams and what, what they're capable of doing, particularly in the conference play. Where are you at with the way that this schedule is now shaping up? What is your expectations over the next four games? So Villanova and the three games, obviously we're not 100% sure who we're going to play after Alabama in the first game of the PK-85. Where are you at with what you think the basement should be and what do you think the ceiling should be for this team over the next four? Well, I think you – I want to take your point about this being a big opportunity Friday because this is a, a – this is a typical opportunity coming off a big win where you have a letdown against a team like Villanova at home. So this is a chance to kind of solidify. Like, that Kentucky win was huge. Everyone's talking about it, you know, not only just within Spartan Nation. Everyone across the country is talking about this Michigan State basketball team. About and, time. That's, let's say that one more time. And, and, say and that one more time for me, Everyone please, across the country is saying good things, positive things, about this Michigan State basketball team, as they should. It's music to my ears. Yeah, oh, man. It's, it, feel, it felt great to say, by the way. I'm really – you can't see right now, but I'm kicking my feet beneath this desk right here because I'm happy. <laughs> so we have an opportunity to solidify that win that we had against Kentucky. And yeah. I think that it, it shapes up to be an opportunity where – this isn't a Villanova of the past. They're beat up right now, yeah. and just across the board. Jay Wright ain't on that sideline no more. Jay, Jay Wright's handsome self in a nice tailored suit Pinstripe. is not on that sideline anymore. So we got to take advantage of this opportunity. I think we have a great opportunity to win this basketball game. The matchup I'm interested to see is Madi playing against a guy like Eric Dixon, a big who he's not a knockdown shooter by any stretch, but he is a guy who can go out there and hit yeah. around 38% of threes. He hasn't really played that type of big coming up yes so you know yeah. i'm interested to see how he does against a big like that as well it's strange to me because the defense has been so good i wouldn't say that maddie has been 100 percent like a lockdown guy in the middle he's no. been much better than what we've had i thought he's done a nice job cleaning the glass but he's a guy that's starting to give as much as he gets you know what i mean and mm. i didn't think that that was going to happen maybe that's like the the turning point for me a little bit in my mindset where it's like okay so he doesn't have to be a lockdown defender you know he's not xavier tillman he's never going to probably ever be xavier tillman but he is a guy that can go out and score you 12, 14, 16 points in a night. 
And I didn't think that that was even in the realm of possibility. And I think, again, you know, we're kind of coming full circle here. We got 10 minutes left of the show, but Matty Sissoko has changed the floor and the ceiling for the program. And Izzo was tearful almost in the in the postgame presser. He was, I mean, he's a little defiant again, too. But in the locker room, Graham Couch wrote a nice article. Um, he he really bought into the guys in the program that he's tried to build. And I know he, everyone knows that he heard the chatter the last couple of years. He's heard the doubters. Um, I don't think that we've gone as far to ever doubt him. I think we've gone sometimes far to maybe doubt some of the roster construction and the way that he's gone about forming that. And I don't mm-hmm. think any of that's been unfair. But he doubled down on his guys this year. They're, they're showing him early on that he made the right decision. And I think that this is just kind of like a – this feels like an fu Izzo season to everybody. Like, oh, you told me I should have gone to the portal? Screw you. I'm going to show you what Maddie can be. You, you told me that I needed to go grab another guy in the wing. Uh, nope. I'm just going to – I'm going to develop the guys that I have. I'm going to show you that I don't need to always have the talent of the Kentuckys and the Dukes and the UNCs and some of these, you know, top-tier blue bloods that recruit at a high level. What I'm going to be able to do – is mold and hammer a group into a unit and we all know that when five are playing as one there's nothing more beautiful in the game of basketball and we've seen that early on from this team and i think uh i think this is really scratching the surface of what they can be i'm feeling like just like a little bit like nostalgic about I, I, the whole I, thing, I, uh, it's not just the lights in the studio right now you're actually you're <laughs> you actually are kind of glowing i will say that you got that exuberance of that happy exuberance going on right now but i will say this and I'll, I'll let you finish your point, but I do want to say he could have done all the molding and all the and prod and, that and still went to the transfer portal. You know what I'm saying? He still could have did both. The two mean, of the three guys starting are transfer portal players. Let's yeah, just point that, that, that out. That for is the record. true. There's yeah. not there's not a guy who hates the transfer portal who's actually win the transfer portal and actually <laughs> used it, utilized it like Tom Izzo. But. I do think the difference is the guys are playing multiple years. Mm-hmm. Now I think when you can go out and get a guy that plays multiple years, and we we've seen this almost to a certain degree with some of the way that Michigan's had the transfer portal point guards. It is really hard to have a guy come into the system and have it absolutely click in a year. It takes two years. And and the version that we got of Tyson Walker last year versus the version that we're getting this year, confidence-wise, knowing the system, all the rest of it, it changes it. So the portal isn't an all-end, be-all answer, but it is nice to supplement sometimes with it. And, you know, if, if you're not going to go in the portal, then you better go get a, a top three class in the country. And he went out and did that. So I guess I'll take that instead. Oh, yeah. Oh, Xavier Booker was front row <laughs> yesterday, too. He was in the building. Xavier Booker, Jalen Harrelson. And I heard that uh, Fiore, I'm going to butcher the last name, but Bigunga, yeah. the big guy. Mm-hmm. I, everybody says he's a Cincy lean, but he's in the building, too. You got to be happy saying, like, okay, I'm just watching Maddie go out and get fed, 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 you know? A big stage, not really a better spot to have some DK, guys DK, in say, 24, say, 25. Just, just say the country, college basketball's in trouble, all right? They, <laughs> they, 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 done, they done messed up. They done pissed us off, all right? They... Tom poured himself a nice little, nice little fresh whiskey. He sat in his basement. He's like, "All right, <laughs> they think I'm finished. All right, well, watch what I do. I'm gonna go get a top three class. I'm gonna make Joey Joey Hauser look like a all Big Ten player this season. I'm gonna have my guys checking at a high level. I'm gonna get guys on the staff that are gonna be out there recruiting, hitting the road. I'm gonna have all the out of bounds plays, all the game plans, everything just to." Just stick it to us, and I'm completely fine with that. Please <laughs> make me eat my words. I love it. Yeah, I do too. And I think that after two seasons where maybe 
the program trajectory was a little bit in doubt, and I don't think unfairly when you don't make it to the second week in a few rows. I, I know that's a Michigan line. Oh, you haven't made it to the weekend. Well, we went to the yeah. Final Four, and, and Michigan there was can't, And Michigan can't recruit point guards, so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> stay in your place. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's a situation where that's true. There's a lot of luck that goes on in March. You know, there's, there's a situation where you have a run of a couple bad years where it just doesn't work out. And his ability to be able to continue to just hammer home what the program is and who he is as a coach and what he wants to build and doing it his way, I think is what makes him special and one of really the coaching legends that have ever done it, you know. So we'll see what this season ends up being. But I think that we're in for, at the very least, a very entertaining year and a year where at this point in time is there – is there any reason not to believe that we can step on the floor with basically anybody and, and at least compete, you know, at yeah. least compete? No, and I think that goes for not just, you know, across the country. That's in the Big Ten, too. Like, I think Big Ten teams are really taking notice of who, you know, who we are and how we can play because most, you know, most guys who were talking about where we were going to finish at the start of this year, probably like, what, the 7-8 seven, seven, yeah. range? I had them fourth. Where did you have them? Where did you have I them? I had them six. Okay. I had them six, and I and I – you know, the bar is raised on that for me. Now, there are some other good teams in the Big Ten. I've been impressed yeah. with Iowa, been impressed with Indiana uh, somewhat, you know. But yeah. Illinois, they're going to bring it around eventually, I think. But yeah, this I think is, OSU's been actually sneaky good. Yeah, Freshmen yeah. have been playing pretty Set, good. Right? Bryce Sensabaugh, whoo, that boy's special. Yeah, but, I like that guy. Yeah, but I, I love that guy. But, uh, yeah, I think this is a team that could compete for a Big Ten title, and I don't know if I would have necessarily said that yeah. uh, at the start of the year. Yeah, I agree. I to me now, after this early part of the season, the feel should be we should compete for a Big Ten title. And I think they get Northwestern first, and then they got to go into Penn State, which is going to be a little bit of a sneaky game. Penn State right now is shooting the crap out hey, of the ball. And Jalen Pickett's nice. Yeah, and Jalen Pickett's very nice. Jalen Pickett so is nice. That's a game I'm kind of keeping an eye on the early schedule. It's one that if you go in feeling yourself and you don't take care of business, you can get popped. I think they're, they're Penn State in general is a little bit better than I thought. They don't got a center. It's at, it's they're playing at, five it's, guards. It's at Penn State too. Yes. Okay, so they have to worry about playing in an empty arena as well. <laughs> <laughs> Penn, State, yeah. Penn State's the only program in the country that's been playing in the bubble for the last fifteen years. No, not a not a soul goes to those games. Yeah, I, I'm with you though. I think compete for a Big Ten title. This team looks to me like a second weekend team, and you know how you get there? You give yourself a better seed and you give yourself an easier path. Don't don't play Duke second round. Right. Don't yeah. play Paulo Bancaro second round. That's that's <laughs> give the, yourself that's the formula. An easier that's the path. That is the formula. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I just want to give a shout out to Brian who let us hop on the show tonight. Really, really appreciate that. It's a beautiful studio in here. To all of Spartan Nation, you gotta be feeling good about this basketball team. Um, what else are you going to say but go green, baby? Hey, go white, man. Go, Hey, everyone, feel, feel good about yourself. Go get yourself something nice, whatever you want. Nice meal, a nice soda, nice pop, nice beverage. It's, it's our week, and we're going to get a dub on Friday, too. So I'm feeling good. Yeah, let's take care of business Friday, baby. Go. Close your eyes, turn around, and count to nine. When you open them, I will be gone. Okay. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. This 
powerful as Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.